0: I'm Jaden Johnson, and you're listening to the Monarchist Basketball Show.
1: I'm Aaron. And I'm Mike. And you're listening to the Monarchist Basketball Show. What a way to head into the conference tournament. Two hard-fought games at home against the league leaders in the standings with two huge wins. We have a ton to discuss tonight, so let's get right to it. As always, we welcome Coach Jones back to the show. How are you feeling, Coach? Feeling good.
2: Excited about this week. Big week, obviously. Trying to just make sure that we're healthy, excited, and ready to go down in Pensacola.
3: Coach, thank you again for joining us, as always. But before we get to ODU basketball, we'd like to offer our sincere condolences for the loss of your college coach, mentor, and friend, Terry Holland. Is there a memory or thought on Coach Holland you would like to share with us and the rest of Monarch Nation?
2: Thank you, first of all. I appreciate it. It's a sad day for a lot of us that had the opportunity to know and to work with and play for Coach Holland, but he's been struggling for a while, so I know he's in a better place and where there's no sickness or illness or anything. So my Prayers and thoughts are obviously with him, with and his wife, and Kate and Michael, his daughters. He just he's different than a lot of big-time college coaches that you think of in the past or currently. He was very unassuming. He was extremely humble, really a smart individual. Sometimes to his death. But I was very fortunate and I'm grateful to. Have played for him and the opportunities that he provided for me to get into this profession. Had it not been for him, who knows whether I would have ever gotten into coaching, and certainly would I be coaching for 40? But a very special person who impacted a lot of lives and had great respect from everyone that uh, that came into contact with him.
1: Thanks for sharing that, Coach. All right, so we're going to have D'Angelo on the next segment of the show. Obviously, this is the second season as a Monarch. Could you talk? With Monarch Nation, a little bit about D'Lo, his game, and how his game is evolving as he continues to play in the program.
2: D'Angelo is a smaller off-guard, and he's competitive. He's an aggressive player. At Times has really given us a good defensive lift. He's willing to get out there and really work at the defensive end and and compete. Times, I think back to the game against Louisiana, our second conference game, after we had performed poorly against Arkansas State in, in the Thursday game and D'Angelo came in off the bench and knocked down several big shots for us and that was huge in in beating Louisiana. I think the big thing for D'Angelo going forward is figuring out how he can get that shot to to go down. We know he's going to work hard defensively. He's going to play good team basketball, but for us and for him to be successful he really needs to figure out how to be more consistent with his jump shot.
3: All right, coach, so earlier today the Sunbelt announced their awards for this basketball season and Chaunce was named to the third-team All-Sun Belt. We'd like to congratulate Chauncey on this well-earned recognition, and we'd like to get your thoughts on.
2: I'm happy for Chauncey. I think it's well-deserved. He's had a really good season, and obviously we're, we're hoping for that there's more in store. I am a little bit surprised. I would have thought that maybe Mackay, given his double-doubles, his rebounding totals, and the fact that he's such an outstanding defender, but... These things oftentimes don't go the way you think that they would, but maybe that'll serve as a motivator for Makai. But I, it, it, if I could vote for our own
1: guys, Makai would definitely be. I could see us having two guys potentially on the third team. And I know Mike and I were talking before. Uh, we don't see an all-freshman team, but if there were, we certainly would be voting for Bryce on that. But the second half of the season – He's really stepped up for you guys.
2: Yeah, I think he certainly would have had an opportunity to be recognized if they did have an all-freshman team. But again, I'm not sure. I mean, those individual awards are always nice if your guys can get them. But all of our guys that would have been in contention, I think they're not concerned about that kind of thing. I think they would be appreciative if they were recognized, but they're not going to bed every night worrying about that. So I think that says something about their their commitment to the team and where their focus is.
1: Yeah, that one thing that has been very consistent when we've talked to the players is their message and their goals have been much more team oriented than, than individual oriented. So that's always nice to hear. So you guys have dealt with a ton of injuries and ailments throughout the season. How's the team feeling as you guys prepare for the conference tournament here on Thursday?
2: I don't want to jinx this, but I think everybody's looking good. Chauncey's ankle continues even as well as he played over the weekend. Still some soreness and some swelling, some stiffness, but he played through that. The normal bumps and bruises, McKay's knee, knock on wood, has continued. Just being solid, it gets stiff at times. And the minute and a half, I think, that he was out of the game, he stood. He didn't actually sit down. And everybody else seems to be doing well. So we've got a couple days to go through with without any injuries
3: before Thursday's game. Our Coach. So... Now to recapping last week. Two games, two big wins over teams leading the conference. First, Southern Miss, a game many fans felt like you were playing five on eight. But the defensive rotations and ball movement were fantastic. Makai gets another double and scores 20. Chauncey comes through with a balanced game with 16 points, five assists, and six boards. And Dorico comes in big on the boards with 11, and he adds in nine points. On Friday. on The ball movement continues to be a factor. Defense remains great with timely switches to not make anything easy for Marshall. Chauncey scores 23. Tyreek adds 13. Makai scores 9 and grabs a huge 13 boards. Two great team efforts, two big wins, and two of the most complete efforts we have seen all season. What are your thoughts on the week?
2: It was a good week. I think you summed it up pretty well. Team effort, a lot of different players contributing. You mentioned Dorico and Faison had his moments, really battling on the glass, on the offensive boards in particular. Charles Smith came in and didn't play a ton of minutes, but when he was in there, he was able to provide a spark. And again, Makai, I thought, did a terrific job defensively in the the first game against Pinckney, who's a really underrated player with Crowley. And Hase, they're the ones that everybody talks about for Southern Miss. But Crowley, very quietly, got got the third-team nod for all-conference. And I thought Makai battled him head-to-head head really well. And then he guarded Kenzie, which is one of the toughest guards, I think. It's the toughest defensive assignments, I think, that exists in the Sun Belt. And while Kinsey had a good game, he didn't go off. He didn't go off for 30-something the way he did against James Madison. And you mentioned the switches. That's something that we don't do a ton But we felt like in that game, trying to switch and keep Kinsey and Taylor in particular out of the lane. And they both scored 20. But what didn't happen was force rotation so that other guys would get looks. I don't think it was an accident that the Kerfman, I think he was one for for whatever it was. And he just didn't get the great looks. And at least in part, I think, because we did switch certain situations.
1: All right, Coach. I just want to follow up on Mike mentioning that. A lot of folks felt that you were playing five on eight. So in the stands and on social media, Mike and I have gotten this question a number of times. It said, "Why, on a couple of those out of bounds calls of balls that appeared to go off of an opposing player's foot that looked very apparent and showed on the video board. Folks ask what can be reviewed and what can't be reviewed, like what goes into that when there's a very seems to be an obvious call. That was an obvious one, but they it wasn't in the final two minutes
2: of the game. Had it been in the final two minutes, they can review the out-of-bounds. But they limit the time that those situations can be reviewed because the game would just drag on forever. I mean, you'd be checking every out-of-bounds call. And to, to his credit, the official apologized afterwards, and he knew he missed it. He said he missed it. But what he had was that it was off of us, and neither of his colleagues were able to see it. So he went with the only thing that he knew.
3: But he fessed up. He said, I missed it. My bad. Another thing that uh, we've noticed throughout conference play, but especially last week, free throws were you, know, you shoot almost 79% against Southern Miss and 78% against Marshall. What has been the biggest catalyst to this turnaround? Because non-conference play, they weren't shooting that great from the line.
2: I came into the year thinking that we would be better. Um, and we were for a little bit. And then we weren't. At that time, we were trying to be Creative and proactive, and doing free throw competitions and playing some free throw games and different stuff. And ultimately, we stopped with all that because while it can be good, there have been some teams that have responded to that. I think what was happening is we were highlighting in our guys' minds the importance of free throws. And we all know it's important, but I think they were thinking about it too much. And so we've gone to a much more relaxed, they still shoot a lot of free throws, but we're much more relaxed atmosphere shooting the free throws just so that they understand it's, it's like any it's like every day and we've been fortunate and that doesn't mean that we're always going to shoot them that way, but the guys have responded to that. Our big guys face on in Dorico, when the primer players are doing some stuff towards the end of practice it's in position offense. Those guys are shooting free throws. Rico has taken it to heart. And when he's got some time, he takes the initiative and he gets to the free throw line. And we've seen the benefits and the improvement there. Guys like Tyreek, Tyreek doesn't have a great free throw percentage, but he's a capable free throw shooter. Obviously, Bryce, Emo, Chauncey, Makai. It's just, it's a matter of getting to the line and feeling confident. And If the free throws go down, it always seems to me, if the free throws go down, Early in the game, that takes some of the pressure off late, late, later. If the first guy misses one or misses a couple, then that puts pressure on the second guy. And it, it seems like it, it's a chain reaction. But uh, at least so far, keep our fingers crossed. We've done a much better job in conference play at the free
3: throw. All right. So this week is the conference tournament. It starts for you guys on Thursday. The game is scheduled to start at 5 p.m and you will face the winner of Texas State or Georgia State. That game will be played Tuesday night at 730 for those who want to get a look at our next opponent. My main question with a conference tournament play is you basically have to scout two teams throughout. If you win, you're going to play this team or that team. How do you manage that with so little time between games to prepare?
2: Say, for instance, today we practiced and we incorporated some Georgia State stuff, some Texas State stuff. And I think that's important. The fact that we've played Georgia State twice and they're not as complicated offensively. Texas State does a little bit more in terms of patterns. So we were probably more Texas State heavy, but we had a good flavor of both. And the big thing in tournament basketball, though, if you want to be ready, you want to be prepared, you want to watch the film, you want to have the walkthroughs and understand situational basketball, but you want to be playing well. I think that's the big thing is coming out, being aggressive, not worrying, not thinking too much, and coming out and playing with confidence, playing with aggression, and just playing well. I think that's more important than a scouting report on any specific opponent.
1: All right, coach. We have a couple fans submitted questions. We've answered some of them already, but one that was submitted was, what will be the reason? we win the Sunbelt Tournament.
2: I would say, I'm thinking of a lot of different things. We've been in a lot of close games, and we're not afraid of the close games. We're not going to panic. Remember, we've learned how to grind. We've learned how to play possession by possession.
3: All right, so this isn't submitted, but I kind of got the idea from the message board. There's a couple guys that have their own superstitions during this fantastic run of basketball you guys have had the past couple weeks. And I won't get into the details of it because it's pretty silly, but... As long as we're winning, you got to keep them up, right? So that made me wonder, do you have any superstitions or pregame routines of your own?
2: No. decided very early on in my coaching career that I wasn't going to be handcuffed to any superstition. And we talked about Coach Holland earlier. That is because Coach Holland was so superstitious. He had the same piece of gum. He tapped on the wall and threw the paper away in the same trash can. If we won a game on the road and we came back, whatever route we took, we would use that same route. Just so so many different, and that's gotta be so tiring. And as I said, very early on, I made sure if it looked like there was a pattern developing, I intentionally broke it. Now, I do have certain time. I want to leave the house, but that's not a superstition. That's just the routine to be in. We do this at such and such a time. The players are all out on the court at 60 minutes. We come in at 42. I go into the locker room with players at 32. Yeah, those kind of things. that's just our schedule. But as far as a superstition or anything... None, none for me. I know I don't know with the players or other people, but I, like I said, I very intentionally have avoided those throughout my career.
3: As for the players, I feel like I dropped the ball not asking this question all season long because now I want to know all of their superstitions. Who has them, who doesn't? But I dropped the ball there. Aaron, you had a thought?
1: No, I was just going to ask, Coach, if so you decided very early on that you were not going to – allow that into your routine is that something that you and your staff talk to the players about or you just kind of let them do their own thing and they got them
2: yeah I think that's an individual decision for all of them I mean my assistant coaches for that matter may have some that I'm not aware of but
3: yeah (laughs) all right coach that wraps up our questioning for tonight do you have any parting words for the fans ahead of this tournament
2: Well, the big thing is just saying thank you for that. They've been fantastic all year long. And We talk about the team kind of finishing strong. Gosh, what our fans did Wednesday and Friday was awesome. Clearly the best attendance all year in the Sun Belt. Our fans just show up and support us, and we're so appreciative. It was a lot of fun this week, and hopefully we can go down to Pensacola and get a win on Thursday and see if we can make some noise.
3: I will add that. Both of those games last week were two of the funnest games I've been at in Chartway or the TED in a long time. So thank you and the players for giving that to us because that was a ton of fun.
1: Yeah, my voice suffered a little bit. I'm glad that we were not doing a podcast the next day. But (laughs) not only was it fun during the game, it was a great and fun atmosphere afterwards of folks sticking around Chartway going in the blue room and we know that y'all were celebrating or being happy in the locker room and in your own way, but we were as well celebrating with each other. So we look to be celebrating some more this week. That would be awesome. That would be terrific.
3: All right. Thank you again for joining us, coach. Have a safe trip to Pensacola. Best of luck. Go Monarchs. Go Monarchs.
2: Thank you guys. I appreciate it. And we'll try to make everybody
1: proud. Thanks coach. Safe travels. All right, we'll head down tomorrow afternoon. Welcome back, Monarch Nation. Joining us on the show tonight is a 6'2 sophomore guard out of Columbia, Maryland, D'Angelo Steins. D'Angelo, welcome to the best and only ODU podcast. <laughs> What's up, man? Thanks for having me.
3: Yeah, thank you for joining us, d You've been at ODU for two years now. How's Norfolk treating you?
0: Man, Norfolk is treating me good. Not too far
1: from home. A good feel. It's a lot slower paced than home, but I like it. All right, D-Lo, So coming from Mount St. Joseph's and playing AAU for Mid-Atlantic Select, talk to us a little bit about your recruitment and how you decided to become a Monarch.
0: Man, my recruitment might be – this might be the weirdest thing you hear. Going into my, well, at the end of my junior year, I had no offers. We started conference tournament. It was the BCL tournament. We had a home game. We had some really good guys that year. I was probably the second or third option behind two seniors. They both were off that night and I had a really good game. And Howard was there. They offered me on the spot that night at like midnight. That was the first one. And then after that, it kind of started to what I thought was taking off. I started hearing from a lot of mid-majors around the area. I started hearing from some high majors as well. Everybody reaching out telling me they would be at the first session of summer coming to see me play. So I'm feeling good. When, at a time when I was probably discouraged, then – COVID happened. No AU season. As soon as that happened in around March, my phone was empty. All I had was the one offer from Howard and Loyola, Maryland was talking to me. But that was pretty much it. I actually didn't know because most of your looks come from AU nowadays. Not too many people can get around to the high school game, so I really was – I remember talking to my mom one day, and I was like, I don't know, we might got to do another year. Like, I might have to go prep. I didn't want to go juco and waste a year, but I was contemplating going prep after my senior year just to get the most exposure possible. But by the grace of God and the connections that, like you said, I got from Mount St. Joe and Mid-Atlantic, Coach Klatchy and my – what well, was going to be my AU, Coach Lee. They both were constantly sending my film out, reaching out to people. I got a couple of schools. I think I ended off with about five offers, but ODU was the last one. I didn't get that till like July. I remember I was out one day and I got a call from Coach Jones and it kind of was like, I was confused because most people, you hear from the assistant first, but I got the head coach calling me first time ever speaking to the program. So um, I took note of that. And at that point, I probably talked to Coach Jones three, four times a week. I'm talking to him. Chris go me later that day. And the relationship kind of took off from there. They never told me anything crazy. They didn't sell me no dream. They told me the one thing that I wanted to hear, that I would be able to play off the ball. A lot of people have, couldn't confirm that for me because of my size. 6'2", most people, PG. But they told me I would be able to come here and play off the ball. And, yeah, relationship just got bigger. And I actually had my quote-unquote official visit on, on a FaceTime call. Coach Jones and Chris were going around on the golf cart. It was pretty funny to see, like, cause I'm they got the camera flip driving around canvas. It looks like I'm there, but I'm sitting in my living room with my mom. After that, we went around, they showed me the facilities and stuff. And Coach Jones propped up the iPad in his office. Like I was sitting across from him. And that's when he offered me. And I think I actually committed probably three weeks after that. I was it was late one night and my high school coach called me, Coach Clatchy, and he was like, "Where do you want to go to school?" I was confused. It's like 11:45. One, I thought something was wrong cuz he called me that late. And he was like, "I remembered you telling me that you were you liked the ODU." And he was like, "They just got a guard that committed." I'm like, "Huh?" He was like, "Yeah, how many spots did they tell you they had?" I was like, he said like two or three. I don't remember. He was like, "Well, if you want to go there, if it's two, it's one left. And I know you're not the only kid that they offer. So I would take heed to that that guard was Emo. I don't know anything about Emo. It's my best friend now, but I ain't know nothing about him. So the next day, I well, right after that, I called my mom told her. And the next day, we FaceTimed my trainer, and we went down the list of schools. I weeded out a lot. The Well, it was only six at that point. I weeded out three off top. And then it was ODU and Loyola, and I didn't want to be at home, so that's how that happened. Well, Called thank Coach you Jones that same day.
3: Thank you for going into that detail there. So you talked about wanting to play off ball and not point guard. Is
0: there a specific
3: reason, or you just prefer playing?
0: Growing up, I was a little guy, really little. I was five seven going into high school, so I was point. I was a point guard by size but I always liked to score the ball that was my main thing I could shoot and I just knew how to score so in high school I got to play off the ball a lot because we had some we had a really good point guard and I just found a rhythm and I found a love for that at first I didn't like it at all I felt like I didn't have the ball enough in my hands I didn't know how to
1: move without the ball but I learned all of that and I really fell in love with that All right, Dilo. So obviously there's difference between high school and college. What's been the easiest and the hardest adjustment for you playing at the collegiate level?
0: I would say the hardest to begin with was just the speed, not speed as in like everybody's faster, but everything was just so fast. It was never no letdowns, no breaks. Every play was hard. Everybody's cutting hard off the ball screens. Everything was just a lot faster. So that was probably the hardest thing to adjust to at first. And the easiest, I would say, once I got used to that, it was just basketball at the end of the day. I had, it was upperclassmen around good guys. So they all just told me like, don't think, just play. So I guess the easiest was getting adjusted to the team and stuff like that.
3: So, we asked this of Charles and Jaden recently, and I'd like to hear your thoughts. As a shooter, do you ever tweak your mechanics? And if so, how do you get to that decision
0: point? If you ask anybody on the team, they'll ask me, What jump shot are you shooting today? So, I would say, Yes, I tweak it a lot. When it's not going in, I'm a perfectionist. I'm probably the hardest on myself out of anybody. So, when it's not going in, I'm constantly trying to figure out what it is. It might be, am I not getting enough? Why I'm trying to figure out why it's flat, why it's left, why it's right. But I wouldn't, I think the core thing stay the same for me. Like where the ball is releasing from all of that. So I don't know. I'm a guy that it might look different today, tomorrow, or the next day.
3: That's wild. because I mean, comfort is a big part of shooting. It's Crazy to hear that you can just play with it like that. Given that, who do you think is the team's best shooter?
1: Me. There we go. Loving the confidence. Yeah, I'm going to say that every day of the week. But,
0: and nah, seriously, I think if we all get in the gym, I think I'm coming out on top shooting-wise. Bryce and C4 probably give me a run for my money. But I definitely think
1: I got the best shot. All right. So – It looks like you've worn the number 10 in high school at Mount St. Joseph's. You continue to wear that here as a Monarch at ODU. We did see that you wore number five at one point in high school. Is there any significance behind the number that you wear?
0: There's no direct significance. I actually wore 10 my junior year because five wasn't an option. And then coming here, five wasn't an option. Either they told me it was retired. So they sent me the list, and I picked 10 because – I had worn it before I liked it. And Crisco was like, after I picked it, he was like, that's a good pick. You'll be double the player you were in high school here. So, yeah, that's about it for that number. All right, D'Lo.
3: in a game of one-on-one, what is your go-to move?
0: My go-to move, I'm between the legs, right to left,
1: and then in and out with the left. All right, so you mentioned to us earlier that Emo is your best friend. So you guys spend a lot of time, not just you in emo, but everybody on the squad. Can uh, you tell us an interesting fact, a hidden talent, something from someone on the squad that Monarch Nation would never have a, an idea?
0: Fact. Well, since you brought him up, I'll give you one about emo. I guarantee you, he can fall asleep faster than anybody. You got? They could be dog tired, and I could, we could be fresh waking
1: up. I still got him going to sleep first. We've heard that, and Emo talked about that, and he did admit to that, but he also says that he gives fair warning to anybody that's sleeping in the room with him to go ahead and get a head start. Oh, yeah, 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 nah. you got
0: to beat him to sleep. If you don't beat him to sleep, you, you're not getting no sleep at all.
3: Yeah, I feel like we need to invest in noise machines for the team to take on the road for this specific reason. All right, <laughs> so you've been here two seasons. Do you have a most memorable game so far at ODU?
0: My most memorable game, I would say GCU last year. I think that's when it stepped into me like, whoa, this is college. We come out, it's a whiteout rivalry game. Charway's always packed, but it's full. Like, I don't see any empty seat in there. And I got to play against a former rivalry in high school. Their point guard, Ace, he went to St. Francis, my high school rival. So that was good. And then I had a pretty good game as a freshman. Crowd was loud. Hit a couple shots. That was just, yeah, that's probably the most memorable one. It was the most surreal. Like. Yeah, our crowd,
3: I mean, we love to hate VCU and root against them at ODU. But I'm happy we got to give you a few crowds like that this year. Because I mean, Norfolk State was a great crowd. We had, yeah. one. We had a couple other 7,000-plus attendance games this year. All right. We're going to get to the fun questions now. What is your favorite restaurant in
0: Norfolk? Favorite restaurant in Norfolk.
1: Ah, oh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one.
0: I'm going to have to say i go
1: Baker's Scruff. That's a good choice. All right, if you're not at the Mitch and you're not at Chartway, what's your favorite place on campus? I like the web right before practice when stuff going on in there. That's a good spot.
3: All right, favorite thing to do in your
1: free time? Sleep. Just make sure you do it before emo comes in the room, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm shutting my door. He can't. I don't want to hear none of that. All right. What's your favorite basketball
0: movie? Basketball movie, like Mike, the street ball one. It's been
3: a popular answer this year. All right. Favorite band or musical artist?
0: My favorite artist is Lil Baby.
3: All right. So, follow up to that. Is that what you listen to pregame, or do you have a different artist you want to listen to pregame?
0: Pregame is a mix up. I listen to a lot of people little Baby, Young Boy. And then I throw in some the ground rappers from my area.
1: All right, Dilo. Let's just say that you've got some free time outside of basketball season. And Coach yeah. Jones was cool with this. What team at Old Dominion would you play on if you could? What team, like that I've heard about? Yeah. What other team at ODU? What other sports team? I probably, I say
0: football. Yeah, I go out there with those guys, see what I can do. Have you played before? No, I never played growing up. The only sport I played was basketball. I asked my mom to play football, but she said it was hard No.
3: Well, it seemed to have worked out, given you're where you're at. Yeah. All right, so if you could play one-on-one with anyone in the world, who would you pick,
0: and are you winning? Anyone. Rest in peace, but I'm picking Kobe, and I'm beating him. I need you one stop. Once I get the ball back, I feel like I'm good.
3: All right, D'Lo. So, throughout this year, the team has continued to fight and play hard when the chips kind of seem stacked against you, whether you're down big in a game or half the team is sick or injured. What do you think has been the biggest reason for that never-say-die mentality?
0: That just comes from, I think, like you mentioned earlier, we're all really close off the court, and we – Carry that on to the court. Whenever anything's not going someone's way, you would never know that everybody else is constantly being positive, picking each other up. And then, on top of that, I think part of it is just confidence. We all—you ask anybody, would they all say they're the best player on the floor at all times? I think that's a big thing. Confidence, keeping each other up,
1: and then these guys got dog in them. That's what I—that's how I put it. All right, D-Lo, So. We're right on the cusp of the season being over with the tournament left. What's your top personal and team goal for the season, and what's it going to take you guys to get there?
0: Top team goal, we're right here. Conference title, go dancing. I think we got a pretty good chance. We're rolling. We got chip on our shoulder. So, yeah, I feel like we can get that done. And personally, coming into the season, I didn't really have anything hard set. I wanted it to be better than last year. I wanted to be solidified in the rotation. And shoot a pretty good percentage. So I say I did half of that in the rotation pretty well. Because of the other side of the ball defensively. I haven't. Shot the ball well all season. It got a little bit better when conference first started and it dropped again. But that's just the name of the game. We're going to keep – we're going to get through that. So, yeah.
3: All right, Dilo. So, I'm going to ask you one more question and then we're going to get out of here. After basketball is over, you can't play anymore. Who knows if it's 10 or 20 years from now. What career do you see yourself in?
0: I see myself – I don't think I can ever get away from basketball. It's all I've known since birth. It's been in my family forever. And after being in college, I never thought I would say this, but I think I would want to coach. At first, I would say I didn't want to say that because I'm not the most patient person. But being here and having the assistant that we've had and Coach Jones, the relationship that I've built with them. I feel like I would want to make that impact on somebody else's life.
3: Well, I know Coach is going to appreciate that. We Thank you so much for joining us. We wish you the best of luck in Pensacola, and go Monarchs.
1: Appreciate that, man. Hopefully next time you talk to me, I got some hardware. That sounds good, D-Lo. Best of luck, man. Go Monarchs. Thanks, man.